Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. We'd like to wrap 2020 with weekly live Q&A sessions here on the podcast. So after this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support this holiday season, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Upbringing. We're here live at five-ish to talk about spirited kids, talk about our discipline game, talk mm-hmm. about the hard stuff and why it's the good stuff, mm-hmm. right? It's going to be fun. It's yeah. going to be all right. It's all the things that we don't feel like we want to talk about, but when we talk about it, we feel better. When we connect about it with other people, we do better. Um, this is the wild ride we're on of growing up alongside our kids, parenting for sanity and social change, one conversation at a time. We're grateful you're all here alongside us mm-hmm. um, and here with us. This is really exciting. Um, we want to briefly say that these conversations are usually explicit. Maybe pop your earbuds in if your kids are around. Um, what else? We want to also acknowledge our uh, privilege, our as cis, straight, white, able-bodied women um, to be talking about these things. We are so lucky. We are so privileged, and we want to use that not just as an opportunity to be connected more with our families and to be building skills, but thinking of it as a responsibility as well Mm -hmm. to be really thinking about our impact in breaking these cycles um, and shattering these inherited legacies of control that just we do not need in our families. Love it. Um, Chime in right now. We can head to our DMS to, um, to pull up some Q and A's folks sent us earlier, but we want to honor your time right now and mm-hmm. letting us know um, what's been going on with you. What are you needing a little extra support, mm-hmm. a little bit of humor, um, some research informed um, ideas on how to support your kids resistance, how to support them when they struggle, mm-hmm. because we know we believe, right? We're working on finding ways to lean in adaptively with skills that we never learned. We didn't know we'd need as parents, right? to build their skills, to Mm -hmm. elevate our relationship, right? To teach our kids about power and how it can be used or abused based on whether we use conventional discipline, which often abuses our power, right? Mm -hmm. We're teaching them that they can do that to other folks or it can be done to them, or we're teaching them that we can be a little more democratic, a little more responsible, a little more mindful with the power that we're using as an authority figure in the home with more mm-hmm. privilege and power. Right? Yeah, it was such a reckoning for us realizing that we are the man. Yeah. We are the big boss. We are that person. Um, and we have a oh. lot of power and we should probably record again. We did it again. Keep forgetting to start the podcast <laughs> these intros. We will get on this tech situation. The Welcome, kids, everybody. The kids keep coming in and changing all the settings <laughs> on our podcast stuff. We're starting from scratch every time we do these lives. That's how much we love them. But right? we're also starting from scratch every day. All of us gets the chance to start over, to try again, 
Start every day fresh with no mistakes in it, as Anne Shirley would say. This is such a metaphor for our lives. I know. Everything. Uh, but again, we're Hannah, we're Kelty, we're here. We're, we're talking we're about upbringing. We're talking about that control-based toolbox that we were all given at birth through our, our own upbringings, through our cultural conditioning that says, control those beneath you. Yeah. This is natural. This it's is what job. you do. You just say it and then they should just fucking do it, right? That's just normal. That's just how the world works. Um, so our acronym for control. Mm-hmm consequences, on my terms, now, threats, rewards, overpower, lectures. We always throw in shame, spanking, timeouts, isolation. Those are all the things we've been conditioned to think. This is how we got to teach our kids. They need to know this is not okay. They got to know this needs to happen. They got to know this is terrifying and you cannot become a person who X, Y, Z. We've been um, loving all the research coming out in the parenting realm um, the child development realm that tells us um, that it helps us remember that we don't have to we, do that. We don't have to do it. There are yeah. powers beyond control we can be using, namely our resist approaches, what we like using mm-hmm. when our kids resist us. We can use this loose six step conversational model to resist our, that cultural conditioning mm-hmm. um, and use powers beyond control. Basically, skills that we want our kids to learn. We get to practice those first, then that means they get to learn them. Mm-hmm. That's the whole idea kind of a combo situation, but that's the work. That's mm-hmm. the daily practice. We shouldn't be feeling any shame, any mm-hmm. guilt, any blame for the way we were raised mm-hmm. and the toolbox that we have right now. And I think we talk about always progress over perfection. Mm-hmm. We're going at this together. We're leaning in these challenging moments, one after one after one. So we always get to try again. It's the practice, right? And that's why I love these lives is because we, because we get to connect with you all. We get to explore mm-hmm. what's uh, what everyone's going through, especially in the realm of spirited kids and kids' resistance mm-hmm. and our resistance to their resistance, right? Ooh, that's where power struggles. It's a lot. Are born, mm-hmm. right? But don't have to. Oh, that sounds bad, like we're killing something. <laughs> Someone says, hi, thank you for your work. <laughs> Love to hear your thoughts on encouraging play. My nearly three-year-old paces um through toys and activities so quickly it's hard to keep up i know she wants me to be with her during play Mm, sure that's an interesting place to be for sure we have a podcast episode where we talk about our kids freedom to play all the the challenges about it when it doesn't look like play when they struggle to play independently um all those things that i would recommend that you listen to Mm -hmm. um but Play is so hard, and I think it's such an evolution from as our kids are really little to as they get older, and especially as we start needing them to go play by themselves. Please give me five minutes alone, please. Um, There are a lot of things that we can be doing. I just keep thinking about Laura Freund because she just hopped on the on the live. She's doing a play challenge and a course, and is all about play right now. So, Dr. Laura Freund is one of our friends who loves talking about play. uh, Mm -hmm. That I would recommend. Do you have anything to share about just kind of? Trying to work that work mm-hmm. that angle with a three-year-old who's struggling to play a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that we have to remember when you mentioned freedom to play, Kelty, is that play is our kids. It belongs to them. Mm-hmm. And so we, we're not in charge of entertaining them. We're not in charge of moving them from one activity to another. We're not in charge of praising particular activities and, and encouraging them in certain ways. We just want to be creating an environment that is conducive to their independent play. Mm-hmm. Play is, is not like frittering time. It's, it's their work. So we have to think about that. Mm-hmm. How would we want our, our boss to set up our ideal work environment for us, to allow us to thrive within that and not constantly mm-hmm. be like, what's next? Oh, what's next? Bring me or, the next thing. I'm constantly struggling. You need to be standing over me, helping me, right? Think about that work scenario and how... We want to be, as the kind of CEO, as the boss in our home, how can we be helping our kids play successfully? Mm -hmm. And that is giving them all the the tools and the space and the positive associations and the access to the Mm -hmm. materials and then stepping aside with trust, um, with respect, right? Mm -hmm. Being available but not getting in there too much. Yeah, I love that. I think it's such a common thing for a lot of us to be like, have that baby and we're feeding them the little toys and we're jingling the little things and we just love seeing them really getting in there and getting engaged and we see their eyes and we see their smiles and playing with our kids is so so fun and then they're toddlers and it's extra exciting because they're like rolling the ball back to us and doing all the things and I think it was such a 180 for us uh, when we started reading a little bit more and really in some ways the shit started hitting the fan when our kids began to need us more and depend on that interactive play in a way that was um, potentially undermining their work their Mm -hmm. time 
And I think that one thing that really helped us was trying to divide time between this is our time to play together and this is your work and play time. Mm -hmm. And really trying to lovingly hold that boundary um, is one thing. And then when we struggle <clears throat> with that, work on basically fading techniques. We talk about fading a lot in sleep. Mm -hmm. um, so basically leaving our child <clears throat> in their bed saying, I'll be right back, I'll be back in a few minutes. We come back in 30 seconds. Okay, they're still in their bed, great. So we're gonna do maybe a couple minutes. I'll be right back, come back in a couple minutes and grow that, that buffer of their time on their own mm -hmm. so they can be building those skills. And we do that the same with play. Mm -hmm. And fading within play looks like I'm sitting here and I'm watching, maybe I'm just not talking as much. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm not interacting as much as I used to. Maybe I'm not commenting on the success of the project or what it looks like. Or what they or should do next. All of right. those things. So sort of like dialing back our, our interactions. Um, mm -hmm. And in some ways, our not our domination, but like our, our presence, participation. Our participation and Absolutely. presence. Absolutely. And then yeah. and kind of doing that scaffolding. I mean, I don't think if we've been supporting our kids very strongly or if a grandparent or caregiver has been maybe over supporting our, our child in play, it can be really hard to then be like, oh, you're on your own, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we have to remember that there's that kind of gray area where we need to think, can we just do the minimal amount? How can we support them in a way that's not um, kind of enabling this connection where we're in between their play in an interesting way? Mm -hmm. We want them to own their play. We don't want to be in between those things. Yeah, and I think right? some of those things we can do is just not. So when they're like, mom, look what I did, and they might be used to, good job, or that's beautiful, or tell me everything, I saw it, or maybe mm -hmm. try this next, or did you think about this aspect of it? We just nod, we just go, yeah, yeah, cool. Or we reflect on what we saw. You put that thing on top of that mm -hmm. other thing. Or you, you ended up coloring the whole thing. Or you chose purple. I mean, Tell me. back to the boss scenario, mm -hmm. the metaphor of a coworker and a, and a boss, we would want to be, uh, as a CEO, we would want to have employees who work on their own, who get shit done, <laughs> who get in flow, who are not constantly asking for our approval every minute, right? So we have to keep thinking of the, the workspace, the, the live space, the play space that we're trying to cultivate. And that's not leaving them on their own with no skills or resources. And that's also not, you know, being there every minute and, and kind of getting involved yeah. in, that, in that play situation. This parent says that she's juggling, line. they're juggling a five-month-old also want to support her, but definitely struggling with supporting independent play. Yeah. That's a tough one because when we have a three-year-old and a five-month-old, my instinct says, let the three, the, let the five-month-old play on their own the most they can, mm -hmm. and really fill that three-year-old's cup. Having a five-month-old is like such a, uh, like a rocking it sucks. moment. <laughs> imagine, like imagine, yeah. yeah, that must be really hard for them. So I think that there are ways that you can be engaged and connective in your three-year-old's play mm -hmm. that is still building their independent play skills while letting little five-month-old roll around on their back and check out the shadows, mm -hmm. feel the texture of their shirt, and basically not condition them to need that the type of interaction that p potentially your three-year-old is needing right now. I love that though, where you're dealing with mm -hmm. and learning through this experience with a three-year-old where you're having to do that division of responsibility. When do you need me? When can I be mm -hmm. allowing you to do more independent play? And then getting another opportunity with this newborn baby to say, wow, Maybe, you know, leaving my five-month-old on their back to just kind of roll around and look around is not uh, abandoning them. It's not neglectful unless mm -hmm. they're crying or really hungry or struggling for some reason. That's actually building their independent play skills. It's, it's a the gift. first step. It's a gift. Right? And then I think, too, I would just work on filling your five-year or three-year-old, is it mm -hmm. three-year-old's cup mm -hmm. before you need them to play independently. So anytime before your three-year-old needs to do something without you, right? F fill that cup. Spend five minutes, 10 minutes together. Make that time apart and together be as predictable as you can, right? We're going to mm -hmm. try and do a, um, uh, a guide on, on helping, you know, the transition of having a new mm -hmm. sibling because it is no fucking joke. Mm -hmm. So we see you, we, we uh, yeah. applaud you on doing all of she that, says, yes, doing that work. Yes, you're right. Yes. Coffee and co-sleeping says, you too, brilliant. We Aww. love you, ladies. Someone else wrote something. Yeah, like someone that. else says, what if my son already has that kind of habit of seeking approval every time? Yes. Yes. Just dial back your presence, be loving, be That's nearby, okay. but just scale it back, reel it in. Mm -hmm. Reel it in a little bit, mm -hmm. right? Just, you know, I think we have a few side-by-sides on play. Mm -hmm. And in our episode, we talk about it, like how do you kind of wean that 
in a loving way mm-hmm. where you're not just like, bye bye, I'm like ignoring go you now. Go go play on your own. Right. Where instead of just think about what you used to say and then you just say, always goes back to the kid. The focus goes back That's to true. them and their work and their work. Tell me about it. Or you seem really excited about that. Or why did you choose those colors? Or you've been working really hard on that. So we focus on the effort. And I think that that's something that if a kid is going through toys or projects really fast, maybe they're focusing on an outcome a little bit more than the process and effort. Mm -hmm. So if we do have a comment, let's focus it on the process. Mm -hmm. Gosh, there's no really end game or right right answer in this. It's Mm -hmm. so interesting seeing you work and then you rework it. Mm -hmm. And then you try something else. Mm It's so interesting seeing right. that. And I'm sure Laura Froyant also talks about this in her play challenge that's going on right now. And she has an incredible play um, course on her website at laurafroyant.com. But um, uh, the idea of also providing games and opportunities that are open-ended. Mm-hmm. So finding things for your three-year-old that are, that are saying, you don't have to get to the end of this. You get to engage in this at as long as you fucking want to. And hopefully a really long time yeah, because I have a five-year-old, a five-month-old. It can go a ton of different ways. There's no yeah. right way to do something, mm-hmm. right? Someone right. says, I recently listened to your Critical Conversation podcast and just want to say how rad it is to see you two and upbringing, what upbringing has evolved into. Oh, thanks. That's so sweet. Gretchen Jones is such a, just a wonderful, magical, uh, what does she call herself? Um, mm. Not a unicorn. Oh, she's just so she magical, unicorn, but she though. was, I mean, she's a designer, she's a, a, a business strategist, mentor, mm-hmm. magician. Um, she's incredible. You should check her out at Gretchen Jones. And yeah, we, that was a fun conversation. We us, were like, what are we yeah. doing? And she was like, what do you need to be doing? Let's align to your North Star. And we were like, we have that in parenting, but we don't have that in business. What do we do? Yeah, we struggle. She's struggle amazing. in the biz situation. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, thank you about creating the environment conducive to play. Love that. I, I think also with the five-month-old and the three-year-old, get that safe space. Mm-hmm. I would ju- just say is one last thing to encourage this mom with a three-year-old who's struggling to play alone, a five-month-old, gate off an area, make sure that your, your three-year-old can need you and the five-month-old can be on their own just because some conflict can kind of happen sometimes if they're constantly sharing the same space. Yeah, she said, I could cry from happiness to hear you talking this out. You two are a gift. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We remember b- being right there, Marissa mm-hmm. Rue. Um, the play episode podcast number. It was in our freedom episodes. If you go to the um, Apple podcast channel, find it, whatever. Um, somebody had a, a question about fading techniques <clears throat> because we mentioned fading from play. Mm-hmm. And this person says, the fading technique you mentioned for sleep, what age would you say this is developmentally appropriate to start? a good question i think yeah um once I mean, three months early six months um when but, you're when you're not nursing every like two hours yeah and no one no one your baby space. you know no one when maybe um they could use a little bit of space when you could use a little bit of space when their needs uh of, of food are met and they're just maybe wanting a little more of you constantly and seeing if there can be a little bit of a conversation, yeah. you know, going around independent sleep. I think some people start that that kind of fading technique if they move a baby to another room like six months or, or, crib to or bed. on or crib or yeah, no, but six months oh. are on and then they're fading and popping in on the baby and helping them. But a lot of people who keep their baby in their room a lot longer or co-sleeping mm-hmm. um, are focusing on that maybe with older kids. So let's say you're two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, is struggling. A lot of people go through sleep regressions as well and just mm-hmm. need a little bit of extra support. And I think that we, we ping pong from this like rigid and permissive, okay, I'm going to lie there and be there all night long. Or I'm just going to say no, and I'm closing the door and I'm locking it. Or you cannot do this. Or if you don't stay in your bed, this happens. Mm-hmm. And I think the fading technique is saying, I'm not going to put the pressure on my child. I'm going to put the pressure on myself to work a little harder and invest a little bit of time in this process to say, I'm not going anywhere. But I believe and I trust that you are little by little, little by, by little, little, you're going to build the skills to get yourself relaxed with my support. Mm-hmm. And again, with this sleep situation of fading, it's the same as the play situation. Mm-hmm. We can't expect our kids to just all of a sudden be able to do something by themselves 100% just because we have the expectation Wouldn't or, that be the nice? ne- or the need, right? It's that they're showing us what they're able to do by what they're doing right now. So yeah. we know that's the bar that we have to start working but with. But isn't our expectation the bar? Isn't that <laughs> what, what we've been conditioned to believe is my expectation is reality. Right. By two, they should be, or by six months, yeah. they gotta 
or by five, ugh, my how first are they kid, not? or my right? neighbor's we've, kid. We've been so conditioned to look past the the individuality of each of our kids and their unique struggle in the moment and say, this is where they are right now, mm-hmm. and I'm going to meet them at that place. That is reality. That is the yeah. place to jump off. I love that, Kel. Um, Free to play episode that a few people wanted to know was episode 56 of our podcast. Support independent play, confidence, and creativity through parenting and discipline. And it's a fun episode from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to get on, a long time in on those episodes a little bit more. Someone says, how to deal with kids who are impulsive. Just can't practice self-control. So hard because I also have a four-year-old and a 15-month-old. Help. So you have kids in addition to a four-year-old and 15-month-old. Um, I think my, my initial response is that all kids are impulsive. All kids have brains. The prefrontal cortex is under development until kids are about 21 years old. It's so, not older. So Im- yeah, I know some adults. <laughs> so impulsivity is going to be there so no matter what. So natural. Yeah. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's the human condition. It's the child condition. It's, yeah. it's something that we are constantly struggling to accept. And coming in with that expectations mm-hmm. game again, I'm like, my cat cannot eat a marshmallow. Why can't my child, right? <laughs> my cat would win the marshmallow test, but my, my two-year-old cannot, and mm-hmm. that's okay. Kids are impulsive, not just because, you know, we can think of the brain way that, to go about it, right? That their brains haven't grown in that prefrontal cortex to do judgment, decision-making, problem-solving, Check out our resources page for a lot of resources right. about kids and brains. Yeah, they're living by the, the hindbrain there. But also just ki- kids get their needs met. That is their, their number one priority is to survive, right? And so that's why they're impulsive too because um, they're, they're just living in that part of the brain that's like do what you need to do to get food, to get comfort, to get security, right? Everything our kids do, 15-month-old, four, two-year-old, four-year-old, six-year-old, eight-year-old, everything they do, it can look super gnarly and be really, really uh, annoying but it's all to say, I need to feel safe. And so that's why we step up as parents and say, okay, how can I make this work? When we're at right. our best, because right. when we're not at our best, we say, you've got to be socialized. You've got to stop yeah. doing these things. You've got to do these things instead. And we <clears> click into <throat> that lens of must control mm-hmm. to teach. But control mode doesn't build the prefrontal cortex. Control mode that we talked about earlier in this talk, which is an acronym for consequences on my terms now, threats and timeouts, rewards, lectures, overpowering, or overpowering lectures. I clearly cannot spell spell. tonight. That's that's the toolbox we've all been given, right? That doesn't build our kids' decision-making brain, their communication brain, their aware brain, right? Mm -hmm. Control scares kids, unfortunately. It makes them feel less secure, right? So they're not building the skills. So that's why we want to use powers beyond control. Yeah, so that's our resist approach you can download on our website. What are some of the impulsive behaviors you're talking about? You said every three minutes, someone said, how do you teach delayed gratification? Mm -hmm. Basically, you delay the gratification and you support all the feelings around Mm -hmm. it. But let yeah. us know what some of those um, those impulsive behaviors are. I mm-hmm. think that the real battle is in accepting that our kids are doing the absolute best they can every single moment. Yeah. And I think on impulsive behaviors, it's usually behaviors. It's not like they were so impulsive about picking up their toys. Or they were so impulsive about giving me a hug like when I'm working. They are impulsive about some things, but we don't ne- necessarily think they are or say they are. No, it's, oh. it's the things they're impulsive about that drive us fucking crazy, yeah. that make messes that hurt other siblings, mm-hmm. right, that do those things. So I think the other thing that a 15-month-old and a four-year-old with impulse control are requiring is our presence more often. If they can't control their impulses, which is absolutely normal, then we need to be that proxy to help rewire their impulses in a loving, respectful way. So what's right? an impulse that a lot of us want to stop? Hitting. Right. People say, oh, that's an impulse. I notice it's just like automatic. It's just going to go in And it's there. wrong. My son has like a hammer hand where he just Oh, yeah. <gasps> and your daughter has you. like a... Like she a, has a sidearm. Side like, yeah. yeah. Comes out Amazing. of nowhere. But, um, but yeah, so we want to reroute that impulse. We want to get in there. Number one, believing that everything they're doing is normal, natural, necessary. Right. Number two, believing that it's our job to help them. Actually physically help them. Not right. say, don't hit, stop hitting, I'm going to dare you. I'm testing you back, little testing toddler. Don't hit anymore. Um, and three, to do it in a really loving way, right? right? Someone just brought up, what can I do to my three-year-old who keeps hitting his two-year-old sister, telling me he hates her? Yes, 
We've yeah. done rerouting trips it. and knocks down baby 50 times a Someone day. Says. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's so easy to put that onus on our kids to stop hitting, stop yeah. tripping the baby, stop saying mean things to everyone and yeah. to focus on the behavior. And I think that one of the biggest tenets of upbringing is looking beneath that behavior. Mm-hmm. Research says behaviors, words, feelings are all these slashy, distracting, um, what do we call them? Like waves on mm-hmm. the surface of the water that are so easy and visible and, and yeah, distracting. Mm-hmm. But what we want to do is put our goggles on and go underneath and be like, what is at work here? What is cycling this along? What is making this happen? Where is this coming from? If we believe that our kids, everything they do is to feel a sense of security and safety and so that they can survive, then we have to believe that what they do is for a good reason. We have to give them the benefit of the doubt. And then we have to decide and figure out what's that need then? How can I help get that need met? How can I help build that skill around explaining and becoming aware of that need and communicating yeah. that need but better over so time? It's so for people though, Hannah. Okay. Like, we need to get in there physically and be neutral and loving. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. We don't have to use words to teach or shame or say that is wrong. That hurt your sister. Right. We got off on a Why tangent. Why would you yeah. do that? Oh, no. I got to teach right now. I got to socialize so they're not an asshole when they grow up. That is not our job in the moment. In the moment, in the heat of the moment, all we have to do is keep everyone physically safe. So inhibit the impulse. I'm going to stop your hand. You're right. wanting to hit. I'm going to stop your hand. Right. You're wanting to hit. I'm going to make a little space between you and your, you and your sister. Oh, I'm going to pull you her away. Hit. You want to hit so bad. Right. Can we hit these pillows over here? Right. Okay, you're swinging around. I'm going to make some space. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help your body outside. Mm-hmm. And close the door if I need to because I'm about to lose my shit. Right. I'm going to close that door for space. Right? right. Then I can come in and say, our bodies are, are really active right now. Mm-hmm. We're, we're upset. Let's find a way to calm down. I'm here for you. I'm here to support you, right? Mm-hmm. We're supporting the impulse. You're wanting to hit. That's okay to want to hit. We want them to feel a, a sense of comfort and, and acceptance. acceptance around the mm-hmm. feelings that drive the behavior. And then if we can just inhibit the behavior and eventually over time process and mm-hmm. model other ways to express that behavior, mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. Yeah. So all we have to do but is, is the, just stop the behavior the, the when initi- we can't. The initial question was impulsivity. Right. And I think that, that we want to shut that down um, naturally mm-hmm. is to shut down the impulse But what we're trying to say is honor the impulse, even when we stop it. Mm -hmm. Honor that. I love that. Because if we don't honor it, it's shaming their natural development and the way their brain is growing and what they're needing. The underlying need. Exactly. So we got to honor the underlying need so that our kids grow up and want to get their needs met. it's so backward. You want to hit. And not feel like shit. You're feeling frustrated at her. But let's think. How often do you go and tell your partner or your friend, I want to just punch that person in the fucking face? Mm-hmm. I want to just like seriously just slap her. Mm-hmm. I want to seriously just kick them. Mm-hmm. You know, like we all are going to always have those feelings and mm-hmm. those impulses. Are we going to do them? No, no, we're not going to do them. I'm just venting, yo. Right. We're just yeah. venting. But if we've built skills with our parents in awareness of why we're feeling that way, mm-hmm. what we're needing, right? How we might get that need met. Right? What the other person's going through, and can it's they a, do that? This is an investment. That's Huge. the work we want to do. Yeah. That is the deeper work. The per- so our kids don't just like react. React. Yeah. So they respond. Yeah. So they check in with themselves. Yeah. First. So the person who said their three year old keeps hitting two year old sister, telling her he hates her. Somebody's child is mowing over a baby 50 times a day. Yeah. And then the person says, like, but I really don't say anything. No, you can say. Oh, yeah. You can say what you see. Um, check out our free to feel episode and our mm-hmm. free to speak episode mm-hmm. of, on the podcast and our big feelings guide in the shop. We talk so much about all of this. Um, someone says, I love the idea of going under the waves. Another person said, it's mm-hmm. just so hard to be more physically present when there are three of them. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. So creating safe spaces. So putting mm-hmm. a baby up, putting a baby in a gated area, mm-hmm. trying to separate as best you can based on the space you have and the eyes you can keep on folks, mm-hmm. that will help quite a bit. And when you can't, that's okay too. That's okay. If you miss the hand, if you can't stop the hand and, and the baby's getting bopped, you think we are going to come back to this. I'm going to plan with my partner or a friend or a listening buddy how to keep the baby out of the way or how to be more present. And I always have the chance to circle back and yeah. say, oh, remember when you mowed over the baby like 30 times today? You were really zigzagging around the house. Hey, how do you think she was doing? Right. Or wow, you told your sister she's never going to be friends with you again. 
So we're going to explore your need. What were you needing when you said that? Right. You wanted a little space maybe? Yeah. And then we maybe explore the impact. How do you think she felt when you said that? Mm -hmm. And we're being cool and neutral. Well, and I think you, you bring up such a great point, Kelty, that I think that getting bopped, getting mowed over, all of these sibling struggles, which we loved unpacking in our sibling guide, which you can find um, on upbringing.co. We download, or we have like, what is it, 10 steps mm -hmm. and a bunch of phrasing and mantras. But I think one of the big things that we've discovered through that process and working with so many folks about sibling struggles is that kids don't experience trauma and stress from just generally getting bopped or having a, an issue with a sibling. The, the real power in these situations is how we ourselves respond. Mm -hmm. And if we respond in a way that is just like in horror, in frustration, in anger, and we're elevating their conflict, that is adding and it's really wiring them to believe that these things are really horrible and wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And if we're able to respond adaptively, hopefully proactively, preemptively, to keep everybody safe, we can't always do that mm -hmm. though, but in, in the moment, if someone gets hurt, we're there, we're staying calm, we're bringing everyone back to neutral, we're showing them, oh, things happen, people get hurt, we're gonna do better next time. Mm -hmm. Mental note to self, I'll be, try to be there next time. Mm -hmm. Mental note to self, what else can I do to support? Mm -hmm. Process all of these things, right? They look to us, our kids look to us, I think, in a, in a huge way with, with how to respond and what to believe yeah. about conflict in general. Yeah, but I think that we've all been wired to believe that conflict yeah. with siblings with anyone is negative because we want to socialize our kids for the outer world to be nice. To, to not be, create conflict. To be respectful, <laughs> responsible, yeah. not creating conflict. And that has become um, this like wiring for mm -hmm. our primary goal. And it absolutely is not. We talk often about the self-awareness versus socialization. Can we just say, okay, our kids are going to, be socialized. I swear to God, they're going to brush their teeth. They will be nice. They will say please and thank you. They will okay. not be insensitive lovers or rude neighbors. Trust me. If you're watching this video, you are parenting in a way where they will get that. Yeah. But if we can focus instead of on socialization, that is not nice. You can't say that to them. That's rude. That's mean, whatever. Instead on self-awareness, looking inside and saying, where did that need come from? What drove that need? What is creating these waves on the surface? Where's this coming from? That gives our kids the skills too, when they're in college and having an issue with a boyfriend or girlfriend, mm -hmm. when they're in a job where they're not quite sure how they feel about their boss, they're able to, instead of reacting to an external lens of perform, conform, mm -hmm. be obedient, they're instead looking inside and saying with curiosity and grace, where's this coming from? What am I needing? Why is this rubbing me the wrong way? What's happening, mm -hmm. right? That's our goal. That's what uh, we talk so much about our kids' freedoms. And we have our freedoms model you can download for free on our website too. It's just 10 realms of our kids' lives that as parents, we tend to over control because we have this control-based toolbox and we want them to learn the things and we want to be responsible parents. And we're learning as we go that this whole teaching our kids thing is this really like push-pull of power, of letting it go, of stepping in and scaffolding and building their skills when they're not able, and of letting go, and of letting go, and of letting go to let grow. Mm -hmm. That's really our goal. Someone brought up a lot earlier, what about when like my in-laws or my parents aren't into this type of parenting? It's really hard, like cringeworthy watching them with my one-year-old. Mm -hmm. um, we've been there, that's really hard. Um, I would recommend our caregiver clashes. We have a couple episodes and a handful of posts on our Instagram page about caregiver clashes, all the way from modeling the behaviors we want to see to taking them to therapy and everything in between. So we would recommend that. DM us if you want a specific <clears throat> link. We can send it to you. Yeah. Someone says, speaking of losing your shit, can you discuss what you gals do to self-reg when you yourselves feel triggered? So you can stay calm around your kids. Mm. Someone else says, appreciate you guys. Self-reg is the name of the game, but it That's is like, like, it is the hardest thing, right? We yeah. can't um, put an oxygen mask on our kids without putting our own on first. We got to self-care to, to care, to parent care. We have to self-reg to co-reg. <laughs> I know we talk about the right? resist approach and we're like, we can't even get anywhere near that unless <laughs> one, we believe that everything they're doing is normal, natural, necessary, wonderful kid stuff. And two, we can take the deep breaths yeah. to see it through into supporting them through it. How can we see to our kids' needs if our needs aren't being met? And I think so often with a lot of these struggles with our kids, at least personally and with a lot of folks we work with, 
we've experienced this realization that, oh my gosh, when I'm struggling with my kid, it's because I'm trying to get my own needs met through this situation. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get my house cleaned, so do this. I'm trying to get everyone out the door, so do this, right? Mm -hmm. And we all, we all want to be building skills and, and doing all of those things, but we have to get really clear on is it a skill building thing or is it a meeting my needs, helping me move through the day thing? How else am I doing that? And so for us, I mean, we have different different things, but I think that <clears throat> taking deep breaths is a really big one for me. I tend to get really tight in my chest and I hold my breath in. And I think that amps me up so much. So <sighs> deep breath <clears throat> is one of my things. And I'm like, don't tell me to fucking take a deep breath. I think also for me, uh, also taking a personal time out and taking a moment Mm -hmm. away. My kids will allow me to step out of the room if there's a struggle happening for a quick second to just not see what's going on and spiral out of control. So I don't say you go to your room or you need to whatever. I say, I'm going to take a quick break. So I'm modeling some awesome self-reg skills. Same Mm -hmm. with the deep breaths. I'm going to take a few deep breaths. I'm struggling with how to move forward here. And I know we're going to come up with something. So, or if you can't say that, just be like, I'll be right back. Exactly. (laughs) Ghost. Right. (laughs) What are your self-reg strategies? Mm -hmm. I want to hear what everyone here thinks. What has been helping you? Pretending I'm on a TV show being like, there are cameras here. Someone (laughs) is laughing. Someone is enjoying this. There is a life and a world Someone's away from this. paying a monthly subscription but to it, watch this. Yes, us. but it helps me burst the bubble, yeah. which, which in the moment tells me this is life or death. This yeah. is so important. Emergency. Oh my gosh, they got to know or they got to stop or they mm. got to do this. And it pulls me out of it and, and it makes me remember, oh yeah, just we little people with half-formed brains. It's going to be okay. Right. Like this is not the end of the world. This is not an emergency. Mm-hmm. That is so important to me. We, we post a lot on our Instagram feed about our mental mantras mm-hmm. that just help us reroute that conditioning that says, this needs to change, this needs to happen, this has to stop happening. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put that pressure on my child to do that instead of myself. Yeah, we have a free download for um, spirited kids and mm-hmm. a half of that is mantras and just like re- mm-hmm. rewiring our belief systems, right? And then unplugging is your other self-reg oh technique, my gosh. right? I didn't really realize I was doing it until Hannah told me. <laughs> Like sometimes in the van here. when we're driving, that's like our like death zone, like where we're trapped with all four kids, and they start screaming and saying mean things, and one of them's torturing Spitting. the other one or throwing things. We try to keep everything clear yeah. so there there's no stuff um, projectiles. Yeah, but it's hard, man, and yeah. it's where we can't say I'm gonna take a break or it seems like you need space. Let's help your body out. You're trapped. Yeah. You're driving. You're on the side of the road. Yeah. Otherwise, um, we've been there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Hannah was like, it seems like sometimes when they're struggling, all of a sudden I just like, I can't connect to you anymore because you're just like slumped in your seat and you're just kind of like nodding <laughs> and you're just kind of saying back what they're doing and saying. But I don't have access to you emotionally mm-hmm. anymore in and, kind of an interesting way. And that's the whole point is in those moments, I can be at the very <clears throat> least minimally supporting my kids without letting them have access to me emotionally, i.e., sucking me dry because I'm an empath. You're creating a little emotional distance, which is healthy, in order to refuel Mm -hmm. and rebuild, calm your nervous system enough to show up for them better. Yeah, it's like unplugging to plug in. Right, to like rev up or whatever, (laughs) super, I don't know, charge. Super charge, right. (laughs) All of a sudden I'm like, bing. Yeah, and then you're like, you get out of the car and you're fine. And I'm like toast because I've been dealing with all four of them (laughs) while you were unplugging. That's what Maggie was just saying. It's so hard getting four kids out the door and doing all the things and innovating around it. And I think that, it's really hard. What's this one? Dance parties work. I visualize myself as a sturdy tree in a storm. Oh, I love, love that. it. Someone else says, I'm good at deep breaths and with stepping away, but honestly, I have a really hard time coming back. How do you bring yourself <clears throat> back into their emotional, frontal, loveless fray? Oh, beautiful. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I've been, I've been burned enough times by not coming back in a place that I need to be that I, I only come back when I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Where I say I'm not, um, because I uh, it's like I see the sli- I see the sliding doors, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I can see if I'm not quite ready and I go back in. Here's how it ends, mm-hmm. and that's just also someone of spirit with sensitive spirited kids. I'm like, they're gonna slaughter me if I go in and I'm not ready, mm-hmm. and that's why when I'm doing really well, 
and they're struggling, I like dive onto the floor at their feet. I'm like, I'm so in this. I can do this Let's make right this now. happen. Oh, I'm all about it. Someone else said, I close my eyes, deep breathe, and say, I can handle this. We can handle this. Love I it. Love that. love that mantra of saying, we can get through through this. We can do hard things together. Mm-hmm. We can make our way through. We're growing up together. Mm-hmm. This is not an emergency, right? Someone it's going to be okay. I often say, someone says, I need a <clears throat> breath of fresh air and they can put their rain boots on and join me on the porch or choose to stay in. Mm. They often watch me breathe a bit through the window as I regroup. Yeah, I love it. Reground. Love yeah, reground, regroup. Someone says, I touch my heart space and say, this is hard. You've got this. Yes. I think that it's really, it's such a big ask, this parenting thing to say, oh my gosh, let's be the voice to become our kid's inner voice mm-hmm. when we are struggling to be reparenting ourselves and creating a new inner voice for ourselves when we're struggling. It's yeah. such a, a dual kind of conflict of interest where it's like, got to take care of you, got to take care of me. It's really, really tricky, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a lot of work, and we see that, and we honor that. Mm-hmm. Got to honor that. Someone says, I've been trying tapping an EFT, emotional freedom technique. Awesome. How's that been going? That's really cool. We've heard a lot about that. I love that. Someone says, visualizations. Mm-hmm. What's this question? What is the right age to teach our kids to socialize? We don't have to teach our kids basically yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. Um, They'll learn it. Got to trust it. Yeah. There was another one. Hold on, right here. And also it causes even more tension for a child who needs to bring up a conflict but expects it to be problematic. It causes more internal stress for them. So, mm. Shauna, you were adding on to something we said earlier. I'm sorry we didn't catch it. Yeah. But I mean, I think we want to make sure that Uh, We talk about the circle back with conflict so often saying, oh, in the moment, let's respond with just keeping everyone safe. And then later, let's try and respond. We want to create positive associations around conflict, not saying, oh, go ahead and lose your shit with someone. We're saying, go ahead and lean in with someone in an adaptive way. People struggle with conflict, not because conflict is inherently bad, but because they don't have the skills to navigate it yet, right? And that's what we're focusing on is bringing in our kids and learning the skills of managing conflict conflict adaptively. That's through self-awareness, it's through mindfulness, it's through communication, it's through all the things that we talk about in this resist approach. Mm-hmm. And it's not this perfect system that we have to do and get right every time. It's just through this like messy failed forward process that mm-hmm. we talk about of just showing up and empathizing and connecting and innovating and setting some boundaries and trying again every time, yeah. right? The, the person who said they're doing the EFT, emotional mm-hmm. freedom technique, said it's so far amazing, lots of release and self-forgiveness. I love that. Someone said, I just realized I'm the executive functioning skills for four out of five of us. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go. I don't think we realized that when we became parents, we would be wearing so many hats. We would be executive functioning, like you said, for everyone uh, below us, even sometimes for our partners in a lot of ways, yeah. that we'd be cook, nursemaid, doctor, cleaner, organizer, housekeeper, organizer, teacher, playmate, uh, yeah. so many things. Um, emotional regulator is mm-hmm. the number one thing I think that no one really realizes that, yeah. we, that we can do. Hey, Amby June, what day is it? How are you doing? <laughs> where are you all here from too? I would love to know where you're, where you're, uh, you're tuning in from. I'm always so curious and I think that Everyone's chiming in now. Some folks are listening as they're going. And so, I mean, I just want to to wrap this up. Just say that we're here. And mm-hmm. I think that so often, I mean, as we mentioned earlier, it's really easy to get in that place of inner child and to feel like, my needs, why aren't they getting met? What can I do? And Kelty and I are about meeting your needs in the parenting realm and in the discipline realm. And you have lots of other needs we know that can be met by other wonderful people in your life. But we just want you to know we're always here, mm-hmm. that we're here for those parenting needs, that we, they want to show up and grow up with you in this way. So if you've kind of, um, t- uh, you know, done your, your typing in and, and felt connected with us, great. But if you have lingering thoughts or feelings, DM us and we'll, mm-hmm. we will do our best to get back to you because we want to connect about this. We want to be yeah. building a community that feels really connected and authentic and supporting one another. A few people wrote back, Canada, San Bernardino, California, San Clemente, Portland, Wilmington, North Carolina, Miami, Wisconsin, Boston, Canberra, Australia, Madison, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Manila, Philippines, Berkeley, California. Aw. Thank you all. That's really fun. They're, so, twen- they're at least 
30 people. Yes. Someone says, how do I get my kids to express their feelings versus hitting first? And I think that hitting is expressing feelings. Yeah. Is, is, the, is the gist. Yeah, they can't yet. They'll learn to express their feelings if you can try to stop the hitting lovingly enough to create a positive, associa- positive association around exploring what was happening, exploring yeah. the need, right? Yeah, and but I think that they're hitting because they don't have the words and the emotional regulation and the impulse yeah. control that we were talking about earlier. So we basically say the things that we want them to say instead of hit. Right. So they hit and we say, oh, you're feeling frustrated, okay. You were wanting to hit. You didn't like that she this. Mm-hmm. Or you really didn't want to leave the park. You weren't ready. So right. we want her to say, I'm not ready to leave the park instead of being like, pow. <laughs> right? So we're going to say, you didn't want to leave the park. That is the most powerful tool we have as parents is to voice what we want our kids to say because they can't express it right now. Not tell them they didn't do it right. Just yeah. be that voice. It's going to become their inner voice. We have so much power as parents. All yeah. we have to do is calm them and say it. And focus on right. the self-awareness, which yeah. is saying it, as opposed to socialization, where we go, hitting isn't okay. Don't hit me. That hurt me. We that hurts on my the feelings. Yeah. Focusing on the behavior and the socialization. Screw it. Focus below on the mm-hmm. needs. You didn't want that. You didn't like that. It seems so permissive to say, <clears throat> how are you doing right now mm-hmm. with this crazy behavior yeah. that is terrifying me and that, that my in-laws will be all over, right? Right? It's and, so and hard. And you can even tell your kids, I know that you're struggling. I know you don't like want to hit or you didn't want to hurt her necessarily, but you were feeling these things. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes kids can't separate those things. They're like, I did want to hurt her, which is telling us even more to focus on the need and acknowledge that and validate the feelings underneath. If we create a safety in doing that, then they're going to build those skills, right? Yeah, but it's so backward. It feels like validating um, a behavior we don't want to see. And I think so much of our cultural conditioning says, do not validate that. Mm -hmm. Basically, the behaviorist model says, if you don't want to see it, ignore it or punish it, Mm -hmm. right? And everything about respectful, conscious, connected parenting, peaceful parenting, and all the research that comes from shame-free parenting. Feminist parenting. Thank you, Brene, though. Um, says, lean into that need. Lean into what's going on with them. It Get feels, to the root cause. so backward. Think about our kids crying like tantrums, which we have long tantrums, help, um, so there too, sending peace. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff going on. Like all of those things, the, the mean words, the hitting, the tantrums. Someone says, spirited six-year-old, so loud and bouncy and crazy. Right. That's all so of hard. those things as symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. And we want to get to the root cause. If we were a doctor and our child were a patient, would we want to be a doctor that says, that's so bloody? Ew. Or, oh, you have this rash. Let's just put a little ointment on it. Like, I'm not going right. to think about what you're eating, how much you're exercising, right. what you're drinking, mm-hmm. if you have an infection inside you. Right. Or you're doing this, this, this weird thing and your body's looking like that. Like, what did you do? Why would you do that? Like shaming them, right? A doctor, a holistic doctor would say, tell me everything. I want to understand mm-hmm. what's going on. What are the patterns? What's happening? How can we get to the root cause of, of these symptoms we're seeing? I'm not going to pay attention to the symptoms. I'm going to note them, right? Mm-hmm. For patterns. I'm an investigator here. But we, what's going on? We mentioned Brene Brown and anyone, someone asked, any luck connecting with someone on Brene Brown's team? <laughs> we honestly no. didn't try that hard, but we didn't. gosh, we got a beef with Brene Brown's family gap plan. <laughs> don't bring, oh, don't get me on again. We got her started. Oh, oh no. We'll talk about that anytime. I would say bouncy, bouncy, tantrum, tantrum. Mm-hmm. Everything our kids do, they're meeting a need. They're meeting a, a sensory regulation need. Their nervous systems are needing to be balanced, right? All of us have nervous systems that go into fight, go into flight. They're constantly going blah, 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 balance. And they want to get to that green zone, right? Mm-hmm. The someone, yes brain is a great Someone uh, says, book to oh, read. shoot, I do that with my husband too. You're grumpy. Go fix yourself instead mm-hmm. of what's sure. going on with you. Sure. Because yeah. we're just like, that triggers me. That doesn't feel good, mm-hmm. right? And someone else comments, it just gets worse if you don't get to the root cause when kids are teen. Docs just throw meds in. Mm-hmm. Yes. Instead right. of connecting about what's going on underneath, what are the, the other factors? Let's build the skills now, yeah. right? Focusing on behavior and what we see is putting the cart before the horse. It's yeah. undermining this beautiful opportunity to be building the self-awareness and communication yeah. skills. But long tantrums, check out our big feelings guide. Yes. Um, just hold space. 
be there. Don't have to do anything. Keep, Keep everyone, everyone safe. safe. That's it. Validate and connect later. Um, spirited six-year-old, so loud and bouncy and crazy. Hannah was talking about self-regulation in terms Nervous. of sensory integration. Create those opportunities during the day. <clears throat> Make a sensory integration diet checklist. Mm -hmm. Be like, oh, it looks like you're trying to move your body. Let's go to the checklist on the fridge. You've got a beautiful fridge and beautiful home. Have her draw it herself. Bouncies, wheelies, upside downies, rowies on your lap. Right. I think um, we're all either sensory seeking or sensory avoidant. Mm -hmm. Either it's too loud for us, so we're sensory avoidant, or we're wanting to bounce on something, right? Or get our hands or, in something gross. Or cook. Like yeah. as adults though, like yeah. as adults, we're, think about what you do during the day and is it sensory seeking or sensory avoidant? Mm -hmm. What is our nervous system telling us about what we want to move towards or move away from to balance ourselves? And we know and Abby what, Jr. is a sensitive person too. But that's what our kids are doing. So our mm -hmm. kids are either doing crazy shit because they're trying to avoid a sensory situation with too loud music, mm -hmm. uh, stuff that's too tight or scratchy, like clothing wise. Mm -hmm. Um, too loud of music, too fast a pace of a day, mm -hmm. all sorts of things like that. Or they're sensory seeking, which is I want to rub my hand in that. I want to throw that. I, I want to kick. I want to knock climb. a tower over. Right. All of that I is actually yell. yelling is sensory seeking. That's not behavior. It's sensory seeking. It's seeking a, an integration for their sensory, like for their nervous systems, basically. Mm -hmm. So instead of punishing it and seeing it as a behavior, again, the waves on the water we talked about earlier, Let's focus on saying, how can we meet that need adaptively? Okay, we need to get a mini tramp in here, stat, mm -hmm. to get that bouncing shit to do, like to work. Mm -hmm. if, if my child is having trouble sitting down at the kitchen table for dinner, they need to get that shit out before dinner, running around, flipping, twisting, doing bedtime, whatever they I think need. That happens so often with yeah. a lot of the folks we work with in coaching. Mm -hmm. We get the wild willies before bed. They're running, they're jumping, they're they're getting all wily and, and it's driving me crazy. They need to be winding down. Right. And I think it's so counterintuitive to be like, they are winding down. This isn't evasive maneuvering or avoidant behavior. They are seeking a need, a sensory mm -hmm. need right now. And we can be leaning into that and, and making, maybe like creating some intention around it a little bit, right? Yeah. Someone says, my spirited and sensitive four and a half year old will come up to me and say, I'm going to kick, bite, lick you, et cetera, because I love you. Hmm. Yeah, totally. My um, my five-year-old has been, almost five, has she, been wanting to bite more and do that stuff too. But your daughter and, likes. And doing it and she likes. love. Yeah. But that's a sensory type of thing, being like, I need sensory, um, uh, what's the word that I just said? Um, Integration? Stim in, no, oh. stimulation. Yeah. Like, I need, like, I need input. input. I need input right now. And that's mm -hmm. how I'm connecting. And so we just have to sh be like, do I want to be licked? Do I want to be bit? Do I want to be whatever? Um, cool or not cool, what can we mm -hmm. find as a replacement if it's not cool? My daughter will kind of like chew on my shoulder a little bit and it feels really good to her or mm -hmm. she, I've gotten her something else to chew on before and it's felt really nice, mm -hmm. right? My son will try and lick me sometimes and I'm just like, oh, you're such a little kitty, but that, that's not feeling right to me right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, what, what else could you step? lick, right? Um, True Northslings comments to someone else, Mine, that too, <laughs> feels like a lifetime sometimes. Earplugs help me be better for them, mm -hmm. honestly. Yes, we use we lean on earplugs hugely. We've got a big batch in the car as well. Just mm -hmm. put them in partially because it, it helps us show up for our kids in a way that's not yeah. um, sacrificing all of our energy, mental bandwidth, emotional bandwidth, right? right? Um, Ambie June says, June licks me too, even after telling her 100 yeah. times I don't like it. I would just say... I'm going to stop you or we need to create some space. I'm going to move away here. Resist approach. Yeah, set a that. loving limit. Love and limits. Yeah. I found sour candies or warm tea can help curb the need, Great. someone says. But helping your kid to attune mm. to themselves. Okay, maybe they can't get their need met with in this particular way with gnawing on me. What else could they do? We're helping them problem solve and innovate and build not a shame response when they have a need, mm -hmm. but an innovative response. Yeah, someone says, hey guys, I'm new here. Can you list out the resources on hitting siblings? I need to go through mm -hmm. the hubby from the start. Really um, doing it wrong with my spirited. No worries. Yeah, we totally get that. <clears throat> yep, it's never too late. We have our siblings conflict guide that's available in our shop. Mm -hmm. um, we're coming out soon with a spirited kid challenging behaviors guide, which includes sibling stuff. 
and ultimately a course we're really excited about mm -hmm. launching. But tell us what's going on. We would love to understand what's happening for you. So send us a DM. Yeah, we um, do have a lot of episodes about yeah. sibling stuff. Just scroll through and it will say sibling challenges or hitting baby or hitting dog right. or whatever it is. But I think um, the sibling conflict guide can be like for a partner to be like, how can we start fresh here yeah. and get, let's, get let's our think, bearings? Let's think about our beliefs. Let's right. think about our approach. Let's think about the ramifications of those two things. What are we going to do? Helpful phrases, right. all those things. Yeah. Pretty helpful. Someone says, my three-year-old sometimes gets irritated when I laugh or speak loudly. We have a small house, so it irritates him when it's noisy. Should I just speak softly? <clears throat> but it's so hard to adjust. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It sounds like your three-year-old is sensitive. Mm -hmm. And when our kids are saying a need, that's kind of a matter of consent. They're stuck here. They can't leave. They're saying, here's what I'm needing. They can't say, I'm going back home. Yeah. This I'm, has been fun, I'm friend. I'm out, mom. I'm out. I'm heading to the mall. Right? Yeah. So that's amazing that they're telling you in such a, uh, an aware way and mm -hmm. direct way. I think oftentimes our kids show us that something's they too loud go, ah! by tipping over a plant or jumping on our heads, right? Mm -hmm. Or going and hiding under their bed or somewhere where you're like, what the hell's going on? My kids like to spit at me. Right. But like all of this behavior is, mm -hmm. is telling us and something and your child is telling you directly, they don't like it, it's loud. They know their bodies. We, ha we have to trust our kids to trust in their bodies and tell us. Yeah, and also I think it's amazing that they are modeling this to you so you can reinforce uh, and model that back. Mm -hmm. When someone asks, can you please tune that, tone that down a little? Or could, could I please have some space? Mm -hmm. And you say, yes, I acknowledge that you need that. We have to know that they're gonna be more likely to do that for us, for other people, right? Yeah. We're modeling that respect. Oh, you're needing some quiet. You're needing mm -hmm. some silence. Not, you can't tell me that because I'm your parent. Mm -hmm. And requests, feedback, and respect only go up the food chain, but they also go down. Yeah. Right. I love that, Kelty, that you're saying that when our when we show our kids respect in meeting their their you know unique and kind of quirky needs, we're not just uh, helping them build a confidence and an entitlement, a healthy mm -hmm. entitlement in getting their needs met, but we're also modeling a respect in honoring other people's needs at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's true. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Someone wrote back to True Northling and said, thank you for the suggestion. I had thought that your plugs, I thought mm -hmm. of it for some reason, felt bad about doing that. Don't think about putting them in partially to prevent sensory overload. I think <laughs> the way we put them in is, is what it's all about. Love it. Right? If I'm like, do I have to go get my earplugs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to put my earplugs in now. We don't have to be shamey about no. it. We can just be like, holy fucking shit. Oh my God, I'm just right. going to hide and it under my hair. <laughs> oh, but you can even process with them in the moment or more, better I mean, later and you say, want it you to might be notice, a little bit transparent. Maybe you notice, like, because some kids would feel like, why are they doing that? Some perceptive mm -hmm. kids, you could be like, so sometimes my body gets really mm -hmm. anxious when I hear loud noises. So I put this in, and I'm not saying, when you do this and are this, I do this. You're, I just when saying, you're when this, so obnoxious to right? me, I have to put earplugs no, in. No, I say, no. when the situation gets to this point, I have to self-care and that's a great modeling thing and it's we're, a boundary. And we're saying it that way because we yeah. don't want our kids to feel shame about right. their natural impulses development where their brain is yeah. what they're doing and be focusing on the behaviors which they cannot always control we're meeting kids where they are we're focusing on i've got it look at the line I've up here healthy i'm evening it out someone says any regulating exercises to help little one rejoin the group my daughter five <clears> isn't ready for the rest of the family after quiet time alone. Mm -hmm. So cool. she's slow to warm. Is That's that what like you're your saying? your daughter with our four kids. Yeah. Sometimes. Or with other family mm -hmm. or other people. And maybe slow to warm, you were thinking, rejoin the family after time alone as in maybe a nap? Like hopefully, like maybe not a timeout or something mm -hmm. where she's still struggling to process a, an upsetting event. But even just a personal event, mm -hmm. like I was going to the bathroom, I was having a rest. I came in yeah. late to the situation. I was reading alone. Right. Any mm -hmm. of those things, there's a transition time. And the more sensitive a person is, the harder that transition is. And that's okay. And so all we want to say is we take their lead, mm -hmm. right? They know their bodies best. We want to keep encouraging our kids to trust in their bodies Look and within. their needs, right? So we just say, what do you need? Do you want to hang in the kitchen with me first before we head in with a group of, of cousins? Do you want to read for a few minutes and, and kind of get back to basics? Or they come out from their you know? room after reading and they're like, <sighs> right, like actually hissing, which Hannah's daughter does often hissing. So I'm like, 
I notice maybe you're just kind of hissing a little bit. Do you want to come in here with me and yeah, help? Or right. do you need a little more space? Do you want to read this book <clears throat> one more and then come in? Or Yeah, depending on their behavior, generally speaking, whether they're hissing or whining or just quiet, they're showing mm -hmm. you they need more processing time. Yeah, she's quick yeah. to hit and fight and yell after being by herself, yeah. they say. Mm -hmm. I love that. I feel like she needs that. I don't know if any of you have been to the zoo and been to like a bird exhibit where you're, you're outside the exhibit and you have to go into this antechamber before you walk into the birds so they keep them from flying out. I feel like we need to create that little like antechamber of it's like all warm mm, love it. and you've got the little door on each side and you're like, okay, this is like my little loving threshold place mm. before I leave my spot and before I enter into this. How can we find a way to create that little comforting zone? Mm -hmm. Usher them into the next stage. I think that same zone happens when we pick them up from school and we're in the car with them and they're transitioning from mm -hmm. school to home or room to living room with friends. Mm -hmm. Like it's all transition and every child is is more flexible or less flexible on transitions. There's nothing you can do to change that except love on it and support mm -hmm. it and create normal, uh, kind of normalize it, right? Yeah. Create a loving, positive environment around it so that they can find the tools they need to adapt. All we're doing as parents is helping our kids adapt, not telling them what they should do and who they should be instead. We're saying you, who you are, I'm gonna help you adapt. Yeah, but you I think, tell me. I think I like that you tell me because I think yeah. that we so often just say, adapt. Yeah. Adapt. And we don't have this sense of yeah. pride that you and I have cultivated over many years, days, years, hours of of tumult. Yeah. To say when our <clears throat> kids are differing, when our kids <clears throat> are saying, actually, I'm a weirdo in this way. Actually, that's not working for me, and I'm gonna throw a wrench in this way. To not see that as a threat. A threat as something negative, as something antisocial or worrisome, but as that is them doing them. And that is gold. I'm a build on that. I love that they're saying, actually, when yeah. everyone's opening presents, I don't want to be there. And I'm like, what? Normal says. And then in my mind, I'm like, oh, do I want them to just be normal or do I want them to be keying in on who they actually are? How, what they actually need to function as an authentic human being. If we That's can, what we want. I love it. If we can lean into these early years, right? These early experiences. We're raising fucking superhumans, you guys. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the work. And we're all doing the work and saying, wait, we cannot feel pressured, right? And shamed <clears throat> by conventional wisdom to think that, that we have to change our child. Mm -hmm. We have to remember that they are, are perfect as they are. And all we're called to do is to sensitively support that little by little by little by little. Mm -hmm. And that is a lot of work. It's a lot of brain space. It's a lot of time. It's a, it's a lot ask. of investment. But it really helps take this, this unique individual and help them thrive. Rather than saying, you're not good enough. You need to be this over and over and over and over, which is what conventional parenting tells us. And what many of us have been through. Yeah. Really, not even yeah. just in our upbringings, but since then. Past <clears throat> Yeah. Um, and that's why this is such an amazing opportunity for us to be yeah. reparenting ourselves and be saying, okay, I want to extend this freedom to my child. I want them to feel entitled to say mm -hmm. no or to speak or to feel or to contribute in the way that they feel authentically called to. So how am I living that? How mm -hmm. am I walking that walk? Mm -hmm. How's that going? Um, and that's such a, a blessing and an amazing thing for us to be able to reflect on our own lives and the way that we're moving through the world in that way. Mm -hmm. Are we doing that too? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. We're so grateful you're all here. Um, we someone, want to, oh, what? Oh, someone asked, uh, what if they keep saying no to everything? No is them asserting their, their personal freedoms, right? Their agency. And we got to accept that. No, you don't want that, yeah. right? Validate that. We Run love the resist that. approach. We love kids that say no <clears throat> all over the place. If kids didn't say no, there would be something wrong with them, <clears throat> right? <clears throat> we want our kids to, to feel a sense of resistance. Resistance is a healthy, a healthy impulse, okay? Mm -hmm. So all we have to do is be like, how can we work with that no instead of against that no, mm -hmm. right? It calls us in. Our kids' no's call us in to say, mm -hmm. I see you as human. I see you as having agency over your own life, freedoms that I can support you in instead of dominate in, right? Mm -hmm. What can I do to support you right now? What can we do to move through this? Let's have this conversation, right, that we talk about. Yeah. But it's a, it's hard. Someone it's really said, it, hard. I love that analogy. What are your thoughts on ABA therapy? Typical behavioral therapies we are not fans of. 
They, I thought it said ABBA. I was like, I love ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? No, like behavioral therapies. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, there's, we could talk forever about like what, what is proven to be effective, um, but uh, we tend to, Beyond Behaviors, I think would be an incredible book that we would suggest to you. By Mona Delahook. Yeah, that talks about uh, a psychologist, a therapist coming from a behavioral approach, which most therapists and psychiatrists come from because that's what the medical field teaches is behaviorism. Um, and realizing that there's this whole underpinning of, of um, nervous systems and of unique individualism mm -hmm. within um, people and, and, ch and kids, right? And that we can, there's this whole world of honoring and respecting that is incredibly effective, right? And even more effective. Yeah, that's right? something a lot of people say, like that control toolbox that we've talked about, like, but it's effective, sometimes it works, they'll do what I say yeah. if I X, Y, Z. Um, and I think that big question that we come up back with is, even if it's effective, what are we losing out on? Are we, even if they do the thing we say, do we feel as connected? Mm -hmm. Do we feel like they learn to respect, to empathize, to, to innovate, to set a personal boundary, all those <clears throat> things? Or are they just learning to obey someone mm -hmm. or ask someone else to be obedient to them? Yeah, I what mean, are they learning? effectiveness is all based on the idea of performance and obedience and behavior. Mm -hmm. And ob performance, obedience, behavior have nothing to do with personal growth and skill building at all, right? Um, I think we're going to wrap up here. Someone said my phone keeps disconnecting. Frowny face. Don't it'll, worry. It'll be up. It'll be here. And someone said, thank you. You girls make me feel that I can be a good parent. I really needed this. Thank you. Salamat. Thank you. We're Thanks always here. here. We're here twice a week. We're here in our DMs. Um, we're but supporting you. If we're you're here, you. you're, you're, you're working. You're practicing. Yeah. That's what it is. We talk about the fail forward practice. It's not a staircase where we go two steps up and four steps back when we yell or one step up and five steps back if we slam the door or spank our kids or whatever it is. It's a river. We are all moving along. If we're here and we're thinking about this, we're doing the work. We're flowing. We're growing in awareness and skill building. Every moment that we think about this and talk about this and share in this is a collective movement. So thanks for being here. Thank you. Someone said you two are the solution. We're all the solution. That's the whole pa parenting for sanity and social change. We're doing this work because we love our kids so fucking much, right? And we love ourselves, right? And our, maybe our partners or our families. And also because we care about raising kids who can move into society and into this future and make change in a different way and use power a different way, right? Use their privilege a different way. That's the goal here. So. Someone says, thank you so much. Thanks for being Fist. here. Okay, <laughs> thank you. We'll be back on Thursday. Yes, see you soon. See you all soon.